We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If I ventured in the slipstream This episode of Inside Golf Podcast is brought to you by RickRunGood.com. All the stats, tools, and info that I'll be discussing on this week's podcast can be found over at RickRunGood.com. This was the final event of the 2022-2023 regular season. But fear not, we'll be running all of our articles throughout the fall swing. I will have analysis up on the site pretty much every week throughout the fall and winter. Uh, Even if there's not a PGA Tour event, I will be deep diving something or other. Uh, I've learned from the 2022-2023 season, whether it's Ryder Cup analysis, betting analysis, general DraftKings strategy, opinionated pieces, who can say? Uh, But for all the stats, tools, and info, all of my written work, head on over to rickrengoods.com, promo code Andy. That is the important part if you want to help me out. Uh, Might be working on uh, a little something extra for those that type in that code Andy, uh, even retroactively. So rickrengood.com dash Andy, and we would love to have you as part of the team. All right, coming up on this podcast, Steve Bamford and uh, and myself deep diving absolutely everything you need to know ahead of the 2023 Ryder Cup at Marco Simone. We are recording this on Tuesday of the Tour Championship, so right before the captain selections uh, have been made. So a lot of this podcast was about talking through the captain's picks, talking about who we believe should be on the team versus who we think will be on the team once the captain's picks are made and a lot of the odds are out. I will do another big Ryder Cup podcast discussing more betting strategy. But uh, but this one is mainly about breaking down the teams, breaking down the golf course, uh, and debating who we think uh, Zach Johnson and Luke Donald should take, uh, and so much more. So this is an absolutely jam-packed episode. Without further ado, let's bring on Steve. All right, Steve Bamford is here. We're done with majors for a while. But we still got something pretty big in the golf world to look forward to. One more week for us to really go deep on this stuff. Uh, our favorite thing for us to do four times a year minimum. And and we had to a- add one little extra thing in there because this Ryder Cup discourse kind of turned into like a two, three month thing, right? So I know you've been diving deep. Uh, we talked a little bit off air about it, but we're going to go pretty extensive today on the Ryder Cup. We have not 
played the tour championship yet. We have not had our captain selections yet. So we are recording this the Tuesday before the tour championship. So we're basically going to talk through a bunch of our, uh, a bunch of our thoughts regarding what Luke Donald and Zach Johnson might do. But uh, let's start from a 40,000 foot view as we usually do. Steve Ryder cup is returning to Europe. Once again, we're going to Rome, Marco Simone golf club for the first time ever. Uh, give us your, your thoughts, your relationship to the Ryder cup from a kind of 40,000 foot zoomed out view. Oh, it's the ultimate, isn't it? You, you, yeah. I don't, I, from a betting perspective, I'm not sure I'm a, a huge fan of it, but, um, from a, from a, from a global sporting event perspective, it, you know, Ryder cup's number one, isn't it? In terms of, you know, the, the golfing the lights that are on the table followed by the masters and the open so yeah Ryder cup every uh, every couple of years it's something that we over here in europe uh, really really look forward to the coverage we get via sky sports over here in the uk and across europe they've they've got franchises in germany and in, in italy unbelievable coverage and it's one of the only events I know in golf where someone like my own father, who doesn't follow golf at all, even though he's got the golf channel on his TV, will sit and watch all three days of the Ryder Cup and enjoy it amazingly. How well, how much do you know about Marco Simone? You're a PGA Tour guy like myself. You yeah. probably you're probably a little bit more clued into the DP mm. World Tour maybe than I am. But this is hosted the like Italian automobiles open uh, the last three years. It's obviously a new venue that we've never seen for the Ryder Cup. I've I've dug into it a little bit. I have some, I think it's a very interesting and uniquely singular golf course. But before we start talking about the teams, what are your thoughts on Marco Simone as a Ryder Cup venue? I think, uh, I think when the Italian team put their bid together, they probably didn't have huge confidence that they'd win the Ryder Cup, but clearly um, they did. They're behind it fully. The course is something we have seen um, three times now on the Italian Open. Mm-hmm. And Maroc won this year, I believe. He did. Uh, Robert, Robert McIntyre won the week after Wentworth last year, beating a field that included Rory. Yep. Included Fitzpatrick and included Tyrrell Hatton. Yep. Fitzpatrick lost in the playoff. Rory finished fourth, by the he way. He did, yeah. The course, it's pretty unique. You know me. I love my agronomy. But even I was reading up on the agronomy. And this is these these are from the word this this is from the mouth of Zach Johnson in an interview that I saw mm-hmm. uh, last week. The fairways are Pasparlum, which is about now, the rough is, is Kentucky bluegrass mixed with fescue. Okay. Shout out Hovland and, again. And the greens themselves are bent grass. So it's a bit of a cacophony of – they're creeping bent. So it's a, it's a bit of a cacophony of um, grasses there. But it kind of makes sense when you realise where Rome is geographically. You know, it's, it's the – it's it's the middle of the Italian peninsula, and it gets very very hot there. 
So you can kind of see why the past parlum is used on the fairways. Um, the, the main thing I've taken from the course is just, and Zach also referenced this, was the sheer amount of undulations on it. I mean, he quoted 15 to 20 yard hole undulations, both up and down across the course. And it is built on and around a valley. So every hole is either up or down. Um, he even referenced it with a link to Augusta National in terms of its severe undulations. Hmm. So, you know, Zach should know he's, he's a master champions and he's clearly visited the course. So, I think that's clearly left a mark on him, the fact that this golf course is particularly um, hilly and it's particularly uneven in terms of the fairways. Um, also interesting to note that from a captain's perspective, he also has noted that Luke Donald will have control of the rough height, the green speed, and the width of the fairways. Although, Zach was kind of pointing towards the fact that Luke might not be able to, to do too much with the fairway widths, purely because of that agronomy, the mix of that paspalum and the Kentucky uh, bluegrass and fescue rough, something that might be tricky to actually thin the fairways down. But in general, the course is pretty thin off the tee anyway. Um, it plays at this year's Italian Open as a 7,255-yard par 71. Mm -hmm. Scoring average of plus 0.63. So particularly for a DP World Tour course, certainly on the harder side. Yes. He seems to think that what will happen to the course will be, it's going to be pretty brutal, pretty tough. He thinks the canvas here at Marco Simone is different to the canvas that we saw at the Golf National in terms of the setup, just you know the the raw metrics and the and the actual how the course works through. But he's pretty certain, and you know this all makes this all makes sense. That what Donald will tinker with is going to make the greens slower than what we see on the PGA Tour week in week out, the typical European ploy. There's going to be more rough around the greens, whereas when we go to a an American-based Ryder Cup, there's little rough around the greens. And, of course, there will be some very thick rough off the fairway and just as a golf course in general, a lot of long, knee-high, hip-high fescue on this golf course. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's going, to, it's going to be a test. It's going to be a very testing proposition for the visiting Team USA, undoubtedly. Yeah, I think what's interesting to me is the idea of how different this golf course is going to play based on the setup that Luke Donald decides uh, versus what we've seen in the past three years at the Italian Open. Because the Italian Open, we've clearly seen an emphasis on great drivers of the ball, right? Rory's yeah. played well here in one appearance. Moronk has a ton of distance off the tee. Fitzpatrick is an excellent overall total driver of the golf ball when he's on, particularly the way that he was driving the ball when he lost in that playoff last year to McIntyre. 
Nikolai Hoshgard, who I'm sure we'll get to, he's gaining over one and a half strokes per round in 12 rounds here with a, with a win and another top five, right? So I think what I'm trying to figure out is La Golf National truly, truly emphasized driving accuracy, right? Even to the point where they were having fans in France stand so far off the fairways. They roped off so far off the fairways because they really did not want those small misses to be in trampled down rough, right? They really wanted that penalty to be accentuated for players that did not have elite accuracy. And we saw that play out pretty perfectly for the European team. Guys like Fleetwood and Molinari, really accurate drivers of the ball at time. They were excellent. Guys like Bryson, Phil, and Tiger, great players in their own right, obviously, but would not say that driving accuracy is the best aspect of any of those three players' games. They went 0-9, right? Uh, And I agree with you that Marco Simone is not the pure accuracy test that La Golf Nationale was. I, I do think that distance is is going to play a, a relatively big factor. To me, this is a golf course more so about total driving. And by the way, if you're the European team, you could probably make the argument that this is one of the strongest driving teams that they have been able to put together in recent years. Um, yeah. You could probably make the argument that they have four of the best seven or eight drivers of the ball in the world. When you add in Rory, Rom, Hovland, it's a really tiny sample size. But if they decide to go down the route of Ludwig, his upside off the tee, like I said, albeit a limited sample size, is is there with some of the best players in the world, right? So I guess long-winded way of asking you is, do you see this being a bit different from Le Golf National in the type of skill that Europe may be looking to emphasize. Yes, accuracy, I think, will play a role as well because Europe has a lot of accurate drivers at their disposal as well. Fleetwood has been an incredibly accurate driver of the ball this season. Hatton has been driving the ball on an absolute string. Hovland and Rom, both incredibly accurate for how long they are as well. So do we think if we're doing like a tweet length review of of Marco Simone, it's going to be a lot about total driving, but maybe distance plays a little bit more of a factor than it would have at a golf course like Le Golf National. I think uh, Le Golf National, to me, if you would look to look at it from a PGA Tour schedule perspective, Le Golf National in Paris on the DP World Tour, you would link it to somewhere like PGA National on the mm-hmm. PGA Tour. Sawgrass, TPC Potomac, yeah. golf courses like that. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Very tough. And, you know, it, was it really a surprise that, you know, Mollywood moulded so well? Because that golf course was absolutely perfect for Francesco Molinari and Tommy Fleetwood. And just look at their record. You know, Fleetwood's played well at PGA National. He's got a decent enough record at... Sawgrass. Molinari's got a fantastic record at Sawgrass when he was at, you know, when he was in the top uh, top thirty in the world and playing at an elite level, which he sadly isn't at the moment. But you could just tell it was a plotter's golf course, and there was a hellish amount of trouble off the tee. 
I don't think it's quite as significant here at Marco Simone, but there is a lot of water in play and there is a lot of trouble off the tee if you are really, really errant off the tee. And I, I look at some of the names that potentially could be playing for America. You know, and there are players there that don't mind spreading it off the tee. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that could be a problem for them. Mm-hmm. Even I, yeah, I, I've been saying this quite recently with a lot of tests. It was exactly the same when you and I talked about um, Hoylake and we were talking about long and straight at Hoylake works. But at the very least, you've got to be repetitive off the tee and you've got to be hitting it, um, you know, finding as little trouble off the tee as you could, either in the fescue or in the pot bunkers. And that's the way Brian Harmon played, didn't he? He basically was dead straight, missed all the trouble off the tee and then let the rest of his game do the work. I can kind of see that working here. But if you've got that additional length, like a Hovland, like a Rahm, whose driving is actually quite poor at the moment, but like a McElroy, although he does spread it a little, um, I think you're going to have a huge advantage. And that's why Adrian Moronk played so well here earlier this season, because he was just driving the golf ball so beautifully. I mean, even to give more credence, I was just looking back at La Golf National, Henrik Stenson and Sergio combined to go 6-1 and at La Golf National. I think both those guys have won at TPC Sawgrass, Absolutely. Played well at PGA National, both won yeah. at Sedgefield as well. All of yeah, the yeah, like yeah. driving accuracy, very heavy courses on the PGA yeah, Tour. Exactly. And I think if you look at Simone, it doesn't have those names jumping out at you, those really accurate driver of the ball names. It it has more of the Rory, McIntyre, Moronk, Hosgard names, which have a little bit more distance than they do accuracy. But you still look at a guy like Fleetwood, who finished top five there in his only appearance, Aaron Rye, who finished top five there in his only appearance. That's a guy that is over the past year, statistically, one of the most accurate drivers of the ball in the world. If they want to go down that route, and of of course, U.S. can combat that with like a Russell Henley selection. But if Europe wants to make it super, super heavily dependent on driving accuracy, and I think that's probably the biggest curiosity for me going forward is how different is this setup that Luke Donald chooses base versus what we saw at the Italian open when you have all of these players that are at the Europeans disposal that played excellent on this golf course via the setup that we saw at the Italian open, how much does he change? How much does he tinker, right? Because you run through these leaderboards of the Italian open Obviously, granted, you don't have a lot of U.S. players coming over to to play this thing, but it's a ton of guys that are in good enough form to be either considered or are automatically qualified when you go through the Rory's, the Fleetwoods, the McIntyre's, the Hattons, the Fitzpatrick's, the Moronks that have all had top fives and wins at this golf course. So I, I think I'm with you. I don't think that we're going to see the pure accuracy only test, but I do think Donald's going to pull out some of the stops that he did in France or that he wasn't the captain in France, but that the European team pulled out in France. Like I do think that they will probably have a strong Delta between like a miss that's two yards off the fairway 
you'll be in pretty heavy rough. And mm-hmm. maybe maybe there's some sort of graduated situation as well, where a miss that's two yards off the fairway is in thick rough, and a miss that's nine yards off the fairway is in really deep fescue. Just looking at some of the flyovers, that's certainly going to be the case on some of the holes. So I guess as we start talking about, do you want to do Europe or US first? I actually think that the US is far more intriguing. I agree. Let's start with the US. So I guess to to put a cap on that as as it pertains to who we think should be on this team based on how the course is going to be set up, we have our six automatic qualifiers, Steve. Scotty Scheffler, Wyndham Clark, Brian Harmon, Patrick Cantlay, Max Homa, Xander Shoffley. Three of those guys are rookies. Uh, Wyndham's never played in a Ryder Cup. Brian Harmon's never played in a Ryder Cup. Max Homa's never played in a Ryder Cup. Who are your top six? Who are your who are your six other guys? I would imagine we agree on probably at least four out of the six, but who are your six other guys that let's go who would be on your team? And then I think we could dive into who we think will get picked. But I want to I'm curious about like if you were in charge here, who would you pick? I need to rewind. Andy, I need to rewind because to get a full context here of where Zach was probably thinking mm-hmm. and where we've got to. I, I've written down 12 names here who I think at the start of 2023, if you were getting Zach to scribble 12 names down on a sheet of paper, these are the names he'd have had in his team. Scheffler mm-hmm. Thomas, Cantley Zander, Spieth, Zalatoris, yeah. <laughs> Homer, Finau, Morikawa, Cam Young, Sam Burns. You could debate 12 and 12 and 11, but Billy Horschel, who was very well ranked at the start of the year. Yeah, did you played, did you have Dustin Johnson on there who went five well, and I'm, I'm, stay, I'm staying away from this. I'm staying completely away from this live situation on okay. this view. All, all I'm suggesting is Zach Johnson, if he was under the pressure thinking, well, actually, with this live Saudi situation, I'm going to be picking PGA Tour players. They're the 12 that I think he would have been close to picking, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. So we've we've got instant problems for Zach. Firstly, Zalatoris's injury, gone. You then get this huge curveball that comes in, and that comes in the form of Wyndham Clark, all of a sudden finding some mental stability and linking his great raw materials of a game to actually being able to contend and win golf tournaments. Goes and wins the Quail uh, Quail Hollow, clearly a, a major championship venue. And then, lo and behold, wins the US Open. Huge curveball. Zach wouldn't have expected that. No one on the team would have expected that in terms of the management team. So straight away, problem number one, we've got Wyndham Clark taking an automatic spot. Okay, not too bad. We meander along. We we come to Merseyside. We come to the UK. And lo and behold, Brian Harmon wins the Open Championship. So now Zach's got real issues because he's got Zach. Uh, he's got Harmon. He's got Clark. And within the top six qualification, even though he's a live player, he's got Brooks Kepka, who have clearly won the PGA Championship. So three winners of the four majors this year were players 
that Zach, in an ideal world, probably wouldn't have had winning those majors because they're not players that were going to be on his original team. And that's just caused a problem for him, isn't it? Scheffler, Clark, Harmon, Cantley, Homer and Xander. So looking at that, he's got one, two, three, four players that he would have hoped would have qualified automatically anyway. Yeah. But there's two in there that are complete curveballs. Um, it's created issues. The live situation. Let, let, let's tackle that first. Yeah. In, in my team, I've got five written down here. We can, we can debate the six. I think Brooks has got to play. Agreed. Uh, Augusta, PGA of America, who clearly organised the PGA and this, mm-hmm. plus the USGA, they all kept neutral at the majors, as did the Royal and Agent. I don't think you can play golf politics with the Ryder Cup, and nor should you. So if Kepka isn't a pick... I'd be A, majorly surprised, and B, it would be completely the wrong thing to do. Uh, in said interview that I was listening to earlier, um, he does mention the fact that Kepka is the rare, rarest of animals who can play his very best golf under the most intense pressure, which suggested to me that he's going to get a pick, and so he should. So Kepka's in. Spieth, well. Spieth, yep. Spieth, Spieth's the on-course captain. He plays. Not even a debate. I'm not overly a Cam Young fan, but ranking ninth in the in the standings, I can't see that Cam Young isn't playing. And there was this thing going around on Twitter, not that you can believe everything on X or Twitter, whatever it's called now. Hmm. Um, but it'd be pretty harsh for Cam Young not to get a pick, ranking at nine. I don't really see the reason why he wouldn't. Um, Morikawa's a sir. And I genuinely think with Jordan Spieth being the on-course captain and the fact that if you actually took, if you cut the points and you cut the points to what happened in 2023, Ricky Fowler would clearly be far higher in the points than he is now. So I think Fowler will also get a pick. That leaves one spot and that's open to debate. Do those names link to what your picks would be in terms of your six? Yes. I am in on Cameron Young. I have been in on Cameron Young. There's the Freddie Couples comment that, mm-hmm. you know, this guy is a lock for the team. Yeah. And he said that a couple of weeks ago. Uh, the guy's contended in four of the last eight majors that he's played in. Um, yeah. And if we're trying to put together a team of drivers of the ball that can rival Rom, Hovland, Rory, potentially Ludwig's prowess off the tee. For the US, that that list starts and ends with Cameron Young. Cameron Young's the best driver of the ball that the US has at their disposal. Um I, outside of, outside of Scotty Shell. Yeah, yeah. I agree. I think the data boffins in Team USA Mm-hmm. Have clearly worked out that Cam Young and the way that he plays golf suits Marco Simeone perfectly. So I can see why Cam's in. I can see why he got the nod a couple of weeks ago, according to Freddie Couples. And, I don't see that being Steve, an issue. it's a, it's a little bit like Scheffler in 2021, where we were having this conversation about a guy that's clearly an unbelievable talent. But if you remember in 2021, Scheffler hadn't won a thing. And no. all Scheffler was doing 
was the same thing that Cameron Young was doing, minus the really being relevant on Sunday in majors. Scheffler was finishing like T7 in every single major that he played in. Cam Young is doing the exact same thing, except he's actually got a chance to win these majors down the stretch. The parallels are are pretty are pretty stark between the two. There's there's a big corollary between what Scheffler's resume looked like heading into Whistling Straits versus what Cam Young's resume looks like heading into this year. Cam Young's on for me. Now, the 12th spot is where things get really spicy. I think I'm going to give you um I have for that 12 spot. I think that there are six guys that are part of this conversation. Now, I use that term liberally. I I think that if we're being honest and realistic about it, maybe some of these guys are not genuinely in consideration anymore. But these are the six guys that I would say, maybe seven. These are the six guys that I would say are in this conversation for one spot. Lucas Lucas Glover, Tony Finau, Justin Thomas, Sam Burns, Keegan Bradley. Now, I give these last two with a caveat. Russell Henley. I say Russell Henley because I know that they spend a lot of money on their data team. And so if they do, then they're seeing what I'm saying. And then the last spot I'm going to say, Bryson slash Dustin Johnson. Yeah. And again, your mileage may vary on that one. Bryson has certainly been better than Dustin Johnson this year. I'm sorry. The fact that Bryson was part of that lawsuit, that Bryson was the guy going on Fox News and suing these guys, whereas DJ stayed completely silent through all of that, was the best player on the golf course at Whistling Straits in 2021, is an all-time great has a far better result in majors this season than Justin Thomas and a far better strokes gained than Justin Thomas this season and has been one of, you know, the rare live guys that really is just like kept his mouth shut and stayed out of all the politics of it. Yeah. Um, I, I think Dustin Johnson should be getting more discussion than he is, but I would put Bryson and DJ um, as those two live guys that I think at least deserve to be in the conversation. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. As did Kepka. Right. Kepka's never got involved in the live side of things in terms of the politics. And he's still very much in that Jupiter, Florida scene, isn't he? With Ricky, with Rory. Certainly. Yeah. So, yeah, I I don't see the Kepka situation materialising at all. Now, I'm going to ask you a question because you're closer to this than I am. If you look at the captain's picks over the last two European hosted, Ryder Cups. 2014 at Glen Eagles, Tom Watson was the captain. He picked Keegan Bradley, Hunter Mahan, and Webb Simpson as his, as his captain's picks. He was, they were only picking three at that stage. And then 2018, Le Golf National, I mean, some of these know, you know Jim Furick, he selected... And this is this is the kind of rabbit hole I'm bolting down right now. He 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 selected for Le Golf National, Bryson DeChambeau, Tony Finau, Phil Mickelson, <laughs> and Tiger Woods. Oh, and nine. <laughs> now, if you if you actually pull all of those captains' picks together, and you look at the results against them across those two Ryder Cups. There are four wins, 15 losses, and two halves. So my question to you is, do you see Zach Johnson being on a different path than Tom Watson and Jim Furyk were with the picks that they made? Which, when you actually go back to, say, 2018, you know, when you're picking players of the ilk of DeChambeau and Mickelson that clearly were never going to suit the Golf National, those picks, looking back retrospectively, were total and utter madness. Is, is Zach, in your opinion, the kind of person that will take the greater good view and say, well, actually, to win at Marco Simeone and taking all of this data on board from all of the boffins and from my information I'm getting from my vice captains and what I saw with my own eyes when I've been in Rome on the course, I'm actually not going to pick big names. I'm going to pick players of the ilk of a Russell Henley, potentially, who would actually play the golf course better and get a better overall result, result for the team. What's your view on that? 40,000 foot zoomed out view in a vacuum. No, I think that he will suffice to the pressure of history and maybe guys like Tiger Woods and probably pick somebody like Justin Thomas. I I would pick Keegan Bradley, uh, personally. Um, but I, if I, if I'm trying to get inside Zach Johnson's head in terms of what I think can happen, I, I think Justin Thomas probably will get picked. Now I've been pretty I've been pretty outspoken and on the record about how I feel about this Justin Thomas thing. Can I run through a couple of reasons why I I struggle with the JT thing? Because I, I understand 
I understand the Ryder Cup record and the team chemistry stuff. And again, I think Dustin Johnson market corrects a lot of those JT arguments, but let me run through a couple data points for you on JT this year. Do you know, Steve, how many Americans have been more efficient at getting the ball in the hole than Justin Thomas over the last uh, six months? Quite a few, I would assume. Yeah, 43 different Americans have been more efficient at, at getting the ball in the hole over JT over the last six months. And that accounts for field strength, right? If you want to shrink the sample size to recent form, right? The last three months, who has the hot hand? There are 92 different Americans that Zach Johnson has at his disposal that have been more efficient at getting the golf ball in the hole than Justin Thomas. Now, you want to go to a year-long sample size and say, okay, three months, six months, whatever, not a big enough sample size. Let's go into, let's let's go to the last 12 months, right? A year of data. We're talking close to a hundred rounds of data. There's over 22 Americans that Zach Johnson has at his disposal for a year that have been more efficient at getting the ball in the hole than Justin Thomas over the last year. Now, I think the pro Justin Thomas people would say, well, the JT Spieth pairing is a done deal. Yeah. And now what my comeback to that would be, I think we're doing Spieth a little bit of a disservice in that argument because, you know, it's not like Spieth is some sort of unagreeable outcast uh, that has proven that he needs Justin Thomas. You know who plays more golf with Jordan Spieth uh, than Justin Thomas? They play every off week in Dallas. The best player in the world, Scotty Scheffler. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Uh, you know, Spieth was Scotty Scheffler's mentor growing up in Dallas. They belong to yeah. the same club in Dallas. They play practice rounds together. Their foursome every week is Scotty and, and Spieth and Zalatoris and Tony Romo. Uh, Scotty's talked about this on on podcasts before. So is Speed. They're they're best friends. And listen, if you want to put Scotty with somebody else, then what do you know? Speed is also pretty damn good friends with Ricky Fowler. Last time I checked, right? I am not. I, I don't. You know, their wives are friends. I I just <laughs> I don't think that Speed needs Justin Thomas to find himself an ideal fit as a pairing that still packs a ton of chemistry on this team. And this argument that JT plays well with Spieth as the main reason that he has been on the team, <laughs> I just I just don't understand it because I think that Spieth is like, this is a different conversation if we're talking about maybe Bryson or somebody that is this particular character that maybe you slot in with somebody else and, and that significantly raises their baseline. I just don't think Spieth is that guy. Now, I've heard the argument also about how, and I tweeted this out this morning that, you know, JT's relationship with Tiger, that's a fascinating one to me. JT is clearly one of Tiger's closest confidants. Zach Johnson is also one of Tiger's closest confidants, right? You know, uh, JT and Zach, have, they're rooming together at majors. Now, what, what's curious to me about this whole Tiger thing, too, as it pertains to Justin Thomas is like, you know, I think about, Tiger is you're probably one of the most competitive humans to to ever walk the face of the earth, right? And I don't know if it totally fits with who Tiger, everything we have understood Tiger to be, you know, re his 
stance on live, the reasons why he was anti-live, his stance on competition, the way that he operated throughout his entirety of his career on the PGA Tour, his obsession with Navy SEAL philosophy, right? You read some of those Navy SEAL books and it's like, wow, this is this a really particularly particular way of thinking. And it, it seems a bit incongruent to me with the idea of glad handing picks based on friendship. Tiger seems pretty high up on the power rankings of humans that would have a less difficult time saying to their best friend, I am, you got to play better, my friend. I just play better. So I'm so fascinated by this JT debate because again, and I I would love to be a fly on the wall in, in one of these team rooms, but to me, it sends the wrong message to what Ryder Cup qualifying is about. You have some of these guys that are not going to make it if JT makes it, like Keegan, Lucas Glover, even Finau who hasn't been playing well. The guys won four times since JT was relevant in a golf tournament, right? Yeah, so that's, these, that's very true. Yeah, all very, these very guys, true. all these guys that have done tremendous things on a golf course in the last twelve months, and you're basically saying to them, "Sorry, pals." Not good enough. We're going to take the guy that has one top 10 since Super Bowl Sunday, NFL season, 2024 NFL seasons next week. I have issues with the message that that sends to the team. But I think if, again, if I'm a fly on the wall in one of those conversations, I I, I wonder if the relationship ties there, the, the, the mafia, you know, the boys club of, of JT and Tiger and Zach Johnson and Freddie Couples. I, I wonder if that's too strong that that will overcome what all the data is telling us. It, it, remember the Ryan Moore situation when he didn't, when he, you know, a few, that was a few Ryder Cups ago and it went the hot hand in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And they the, they were going to build you know they, they were going to build this system where they they could you know more captains picks we need to pick more players that are in form and of course the FedEx Cup playoffs are a great way of you know they're high high end tournaments they're high pressure they're big money you've got the best players in the world playing or best players on the PGA Tour playing and if you've got you know, players that are finding form there that you're not expecting to find form and they're generating great results under that kind of pressure and then you're jumping straight into a Ryder Cup, surely that hot hand is a player that you'd want on your team. This is the problem with JT, isn't it? This is the big problem. And, you know, there's various different angles at play here. There's the Tiger angle. There's the Tiger-JT friendship. There's the Tiger-Zach Johnson friendship. The Zach-JT friendship. Yeah, exactly. You've got you've got the marketing of the PGA of America getting involved. Wouldn't it be fantastic to get the boys on the road again? We'd have Ricky, we've got Jordan, we've got JT. We can do so much stuff around the market. They're all back together. The band's back together, yeah? Right. You've got all of that. You've got the fact that Jordan and JT have been seen as the off-course captains of the team. They're they're kind of totally, you know, they're, they're totally linked together. The, you, you can't pull separate them. And and then you've got this also this other scenario, whereby oh, it, it, it 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 kind of disturbs me. But it's this this view that actually what you've done over a length of career kind of outweighs what we've built in terms of selection process, and we're just going to pick that player anyway. Yeah. And I, I I sometimes find that unfair, but yeah. Career achievement yeah. awards. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's the career achievement Oscar. But right. again, 
we seem to be going down the same rabbit hole that I've described earlier with Tom Watson and his captain pick selections and with Jim Furyk. That, I mean, that's more at Jim Furyk picking DeChambeau, picking Mickelson for a golf course that was never going to suit them. We seem to be going down that bolt hole again if, and I do believe, I'm complete uh, concurrence with you, I do, I do believe JT will get picked. The Me bookmakers too. think he's going to get picked. He's actually three to one on over here with William Hill to get a captain's pick. So it's kind of like, what's the point of playing the 2023 season if JT gets picked? It's got to just feel so deflating if you're any of these guys. I mean, let me just run through some of the Russell Henley stuff and maybe it's a waste of time because he's not going to get picked. And, And I would pick Keegan over Henley for that matter, but just, just in terms of the stuff that Russell Henley has done, you know, this is a guy that went to Georgia with Brian Harmon. You, th- you got to think net, n- you know, net neutral team chemistry at least. I know he's not in the boys' club, but Headley's an agreeable dude at the very least. There's six U.S. golfers that have been a top twelve American over the last three months, six months, twelve months, two years. So I'm giving you every single sample size you want to look at. If you want to say Ryder Cup selection should be based on who has the hot hand right now. If you want to say Ryder Cup selection should be based on your body of work since the last Ryder Cup and everything in between, there's six guys, six American players that are one of the 12 best in every single time range dating back to Whistling Straits. It's Scotty Scheffler, Patrick Cantlay, Colin Morikawa, Xander Shoffley, and Russell Henley. Russell Henley's been a top 12 American in the past three months, the past six months, the past nine months, the past 12 months, the past two years. Again, I'm not saying that he's on my team because he's he's not going to be there. But if the U.S. team has the analytics department that I believe they do, then they should be giving a long look at this guy who, by the way, again, I think we're probably both in the camp that this is more total driving than it is pure accuracy. But I think we can both agree that accuracy matters this week it's going to play some form of a role right far more than the average pga tour course uh russell henley is the most accurate american driver of the ball in the world right now and he's been the most most accurate american driver of of the ball in the world over the last six months to the last year and it's it's really not that close i'd rather be a 295 hitter that's arrow straight at marco simeone than a 330 hitter that's hitting it 20 yards wide left and right right Right. And, you know, I mean, the three most accurate drivers of the ball that the Americans have at their disposal, it's Morikawa, Cantlay, and Henley, statistically. Those guys have elite accuracy. Again, your mileage may vary on how much you think that ends up mattering, but Europe has a lot of accurate drivers too. So it would be in the U.S.'s best interest, just like with Golf National, to, you know, to, to set up a course in a way that emphasizes driving accuracy if the European team, because you have all these great accurate drivers of the ball at your disposal this season on the European side, a luxury that they haven't had in year past. And if the U.S. is smart, they will realize this and fight fire with fire. You know, there's not a single European that they have at their disposal that has been as close to as accurate of a driver of the ball than Russell Henley over the last six months. The only one that comes close is Aaron Rye. And if you randomly see Aaron Rye as a captain's pick for Europe, 
then that means that they have a specific game plan about how they want to set up this golf course. Um, and the U.S. should fight Aaron Rye with Russell Henley and 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 go down that path as well. So I just to me, I I I think that this JT thing, like I I think again, like it's we're recording this before the captain picks, you know, a lot to talk about in terms of betting strategy once the picks come out. But I think JT will ultimately get the nod. But I take it, I I take some issue with that uh, personally. It, it would it's not for me. So the only way for you then, so we're on the same wavelength with Thomas. We both believe he will be picked. We don't. We both disagree with that. And that's fine. That's cool. So of this list of players that you've you've come up with, I mean, if he pulls Dustin Johnson out of the hat as a as a 12th captain's pick, I think my knees would go weak and I'd fall on the floor and collapse at the point of at the point of actually announcing it. I, I can't see it, but I can actually see your logic behind that. What do you um, think's more likely, Bryson or DJ? Uh, DJ. I think so too. Absolutely. And Bryson... I don't see a, either, but yes. I don't, see, I don't see either either, but I, I think it's more likely DJ gets the selection. Um, what? what Bryson's would an incredible driver of the ball this year. Oh yeah, for sure. Unbelievable driver of the ball this year though. What would Henley, Bradley, or Glover? I, 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 I genuinely don't see Sam. I know people are going to go, oh, he won the world match play, blah, 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 blah. That was also a great point in terms of Cam Young as well, of course, beating Rory in the semi final of the world match play and getting there to the go. final. He's a, good, he's a good match player. He beat Rom too. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I don't see Sam Burns fitting this course whatsoever. Nope. Um, I can't see Tony pulling his recent slump around i think he'd have to yeah i think he'd have to finish top win. five at east lake maybe yeah. Win. yeah what what would you need to see glover keegan bradley or russell henley doing at the tour championship this is this is a conversation we had on our podcast today what would those either of those three need to do to literally give zach no option but to pick them have they literally got to win the Tour Championship to, to get over JT? I think that Egan does not because he's so far back. I think Glover has a legitimate chance to win the Tour Championship because he's starting at five under. And I think if Glover wins the Tour Championship, he's on. Now, the Glover discussion is somewhat separate. I take issue the fact that we're we live in this fractured golf world now. And the only thing that we can seem to count on and agree on is that the four most important weeks of the year are the four major championships. The idea of picking somebody on the Ryder Cup team that was on his couch for the four biggest weeks of the year, that feels like one too far of an extreme. That feels like you are weighing past three months a little bit heavier than you should be weighing. I, I think it falls somewhere in the middle in terms of how you want to weigh three, six, 12, 24. If you're doing Glover, I think that that could be falling into the same La Golf National trap where Bryson wins these two playoff events and is the hottest player in the world and ends up going 0 and 3 at La Golf National is essentially unplayable. Now, the counter argument to that is. Glover is a really accurate driver of the ball. Like Glover, just on paper, based on the way that he's been playing, yeah. Glover, based on the way he's been playing the last three months, is a is a good course fit anywhere. 
but he's a damn good fit if we think that total driving with a bit oh, of an emphasis on accuracy is there. So that's the counter argument to Glover. But to, to answer your question, is it that simple? Maybe, maybe that's it, right? Maybe it's who plays the best out of those four guys. Like if Sam Burns shoots 62, 64, 66, 64, finishes T3 at the tour championship after starting at even par and Keegan, Finau and Glover all finish T14. Is it that simple? Is it really that close that it comes down to this week? It, it might be. I think the bookmakers get it wrong that often. They've got JT at three to one on. Mm-hmm. Then, um, so as you know, North American um, odds I always struggle with. Sam Burns eleven to eight. Keegan Bradley two to one. Tony Finau and Lucas Glover three to one. Russell Henley seven to two, and then we're out to seven to one for Dustin Johns. So you know, if you if you could see Sam Burns absolutely tearing the Tour Championship apart and pulling together four rounds of golf of his life, the odds suggest that that could just about be enough to get him a pick over and above JT. But I think something like that ilk need. I mean, the, the fact that we're having this debate potentially suggests that JT would be in the, t- you know, because we're, we're going through most of these players and picking holes in what they've done apart from Russell Henley. Yeah. The only problem I always have with Russell Henley when it comes to betting is the guy barely ever wins. So, you know, that, that's, that's, that's why he's on my post-it note of doom. Um, you know, you, podcast listeners would need to listen to my podcast to, um, to, to actually understand what I'm talking about there, but I, I don't tend to back Russell Henley at all, but I can see 100% exactly what you're telling me because statistically, the guy is one of the most elite players on, you know, in, of all the American players out there. And we have got a scenario where JT right now is effectively a PGA Tour journeyman, isn't he? He's very middle of the road. That's just the way that the guy's playing at the moment. It's a fascinating. This is, this, you know, this is it. I, I just think this whole scenario is fascinating. I, I, I'm I'm struggling to see one of a Glover, of a Bradley, of a Burns, or a Henley actually doing enough at the next two at this week's tour championship to actually say to Zach, you've got no option. You've got to pick me. Right. I think it's wrapped up personally. Yeah. Um, It would be Keegan for me because I think that Keegan does not, in my opinion, outside of the fact that he has two wins uh, to Henley's one over the last, since we've had a Ryder cup, um, Keegan does not have as strong of a statistical case via strokes gain as Henley does. You give up a little bit of the accuracy off the tee and the iron play with Keegan and Russell. But the reason why I would personally pick Keegan over Russell is what you get is a guy that says that he would turn down millions of dollars for a spot on the Ryder Cup team. A guy that played Ryder Cup matches with Phil when Phil had half a million dollars on the line (laughs) that said that he thinks about the Ryder Cup every second he's awake that has a winning Ryder Cup record, has won twice in the past two years, has showed up in big events, won an elevated event, has Ryder Cup experience, and is a great course fit at Marco Simone as well. So that that's why I would go with Keegan over Henley personally. Yeah, but- and, yeah and, and qualified above Sam Burns, Ricky Fowler, Denny McCarthy, Justin Thomas, Lucas Glover in the qualification process. <laughs> I just I, I I feel like I I feel like Keegan is is 
such a menace to play. I feel like you just want him. Not that he's uh, some he, elite putter, he just, but he can just growl at the opposition. Go I heard on. he's. I heard he's kind of an asshole. You know, some of the guys that I've talked to around tour that are there week in and week out say he's not the most agreeable dude in the world. Mm. Um, he just seems like the guy that you love if he's on your team and hate exactly. if you're playing him. So every okay, team so, needs that. We know we had Ian Poulter on on Team Europe for many many years. But well, should, should we move on to Europe? So just give me one name. We both say what we think Zach is going to do is Justin Thomas. If you were Zach, your one name is mine is Keegan Bradley. Cause I think we agree on the other 11. Your one name. If you're Zach Johnson, I'm a romantic. I'll go Lucas Glover. Okay. You're up. So I think we can breeze through a lot yeah, of, yeah. you know, we've Rory, Rom, Hovland, Fleetwood, Hatton. Is McIntyre in in? Does, no. does the Czech Masters, I, I think that, you know, because a lot of these guys are playing the Czech Masters. Oh, he's playing, yeah. yeah. He, he hit that European point spot is still very much up for grabs with him, Yannick Paul, mm. Adrian Moronk. Mm. Uh, the, the one thing you will say with it is kind of interchangeable apart from Yannick Paul. Because if you then go to the world points list, beneath Sepp Straka, who's clearly going to be in the team, I think. I mean, he's, he's just qualified for the Tour Championship for the second consecutive year. I mean, we haven't got the depth of riches that Team USA have got. I mean, that's that's obvious. But you've got Straka, Lowry, Rose, McIntyre, Moronk. So that Moronk-McIntyre access is interchangeable. Yannick Paul would need to I think Yannick Paul gets in only if he can sneak that third European points qualification. Agreed. And he needs to do that over this week, which is the Czech Masters or the Amiga European Masters next week. Yeah, and it, to me, I don't think he's got the raw materials to do that, but that might change. So um, I think McIntyre's pretty in, it has to be said. I'm, again, I'm just looking at the, the, the bookmaker prices. McIntyre is 7-1 to one on. So what's so, that? Mi minus 700 in your terminology? Right. Easy, right. Easy. I, I agree, by the way. I think even if he doesn't auto-qualify, the fact that yeah. he's won at Marcus Simone, I he's, think... He's won there. And, you know, he's had great major performances, hasn't he? At, right. And just for and lack that, of better you know. options. I guess before we start talking about the 12th spot, by the way, Rory, Rom, Hovland, Fleetwood, Hatton, McIntyre, Matt Fitzpatrick, Justin Rose, Shane Lowry. Are we in agreement on those nine? Yeah, no doubt about any of them. Okay, are we in agreement on Moronk and Straka? Do you see any universe where those two guys aren't 10 and 11 on the team? I've got the feeling, you know, that if Luke Donald had his way, that if there was any excuse not to, I don't think Sepp Straka would be on the team. It's interesting. I, I think but the, I, I'm only looking at this from a boys' club perspective, as we've just sure. been looking at Team USA from a boys' club perspective. You know, Sep. Yeah, he doesn't exactly talk like a. You know, he just talks like a a guy from Georgia, doesn't he? He's set. Yeah, you know, he's, he's more a part of Sea Island Mafia. Of with, course, he's with the his Sea Island Mafia. Harris English and 
Brian Harmon than he is down at the Bears Club with Luke Donald and Alex Yeah, Warren. That's for Zach Johnson, but Sep is Sep has played the the quality of golf that's due a pick, two consecutive tour championships. Also, you throw in there the fact that he was second at the Open Championship. Why is there not to like? Played played that great round on Sunday to make sure he got that final 30th spot for the Tour Championship. I think that's done the job, and I think he kind of knows that. He's, he's, he's basically 5-1 to one on to qualify, so I don't think Sepp's debatable at all. There's a few that have fallen away that I don't think what I don't think will make the team. Alex Noren, experienced vet. I don't think he's played I, well enough. Can I can we pause on that for a second? Because I yeah. have a I have a case for Alex Noren. I'm not saying right. he's my guy, but I dug into the Alex Noren stuff just a bit. So, you know, the the in data golf rankings, Noren is a top 12 European. If we just look at the data golf rankings, he's a top 12 European. Over the last year, Alex Noren has been the ninth best European in true strokes gain. Over the last two years, Alex Noren has been the eighth best European in true strokes gain. So, so you look at the larger sample sizes over the last since we've had the last Ryder Cup, Noren's actually the bet the eighth best European in the world that they have at their disposal. Now, the last time that the Ryder Cup was on European soil, Norn went two and one at La Golf National. Him and Sergio absolutely destroyed Phil and Bryce in five and four. Uh, and he beat Bryson in singles too. Uh Alex Norn, the Bryson killer, by the way. Um, I don't think he's gonna get picked, but I I I thought a lot about this. And and I I'm curious if the Bears Club thing with with Luke Donald and some of the Ryder Cup experience, and you look at some of the longer term data that I'm sure the 21st group is going to throw out there, maybe gives him a little bit more chance than people think. Now, the counter argument to that for me, the reason why he would not be on my team is the driver. The top 50 guys over the past year, Steve, Norn ranks 139th out of 150th yeah. in strokes getting off the tee. He's 98th in distance, 130th in accuracy. Which is why I think you can't go Norm because of the course fit. I think he deserves it more than people think, but I but on this golf course you can't pick Norm. Sorry. Continue. I also I also look at players' behaviour now. Norm clearly um, didn't make the playoffs. He did uh, not on the PGA Tour. If he was really wanting to make the team. I would have expected him to play the Czech Masters this week, and I certainly would have expected him to play the Amiga European Masters next week. And I've checked the field this morning for um, Kronstjusier next week, and he's not in the field for that either. That's that's kind of strange behaviour for a player that's trying to fight for a cup captain's pick. That would suggest that he's been told he is going to play or he's given up, or he's injured, one of the three. Yeah, he's either playing in Jupiter with Donald as we speak, or it's a non-starter. Yeah. I think it's a non-starter, personally, probably. I, I Again, and then I think that leads us to, well, give me give me the other guys that you think are in discussion for that 12th spot. I don't think Aaron Rye is. I don't either. and He's not playing the Amiga European Masters next week either. Neither is Jaeger, who I don't think has played once on the DP World Tour this past year. No, um, that's one thing I was going to say about Sepp Straka as well. He did come over and play two of the um, 
desert swing events early on in the season to tick that box just to make sure that there was no real reason that Luke couldn't select him. Jaeger and Rye did not. No, exactly. So, I, you know, I, I don't know. about For me, this final spot, uh, it's fairly obvious, isn't it? It's, it's Ludwig Aberg. We've got the Hoygaard twins. Uh, Victor Perez could throw a curveball in there, although he's been playing very, very poorly of late. I have one more name you're going to stick your nose up at. I'm oh, not ADC. Nope. I went to the Ryder Cup at Whistling Straits in, in 2021. Steve, do you know who's the, on, you know who's the only team that struck fear into the U.S. side? The only team that kicked the U.S.'s ass at Whistling Straits. John Rahm and Sergio Garcia. Now, here's the quick Sergio case. I don't think it's fair to put Sergio in the washed-up category of Poulter Westwood. I don't think he's there yet. In the data golf ranking, Sergio is the 15th best European they have. He's not that far off from still being a top 12 European in the world, which honestly speaks to how bleak it is for Europe once you get past the top nine. But he is the best Ryder Cup player of all time. And like I said, I was at that Ryder Cup at Whistling Straits. Rom and Sergio went 3-0 and at Whistling Straits. There's something there with Rom and Sergio, especially if you're going to give me the JT uh, speed thing. Rom and Sergio were way better than those guys. I would have Rom Sergio favored over nearly any team that the U.S. can put together. And if you know you have that Rom Sergio pairing that you can count on, then that opens you up to hide some of your weaker guys, you know, with Rory or Hovland or Fleetwood or Hatton. But who else would you put Rom with? You know, he's come out and said this entire time with the Liv stuff. Do we really think that Rom straddling the fence on Liv, even though those guys are suing him, when all a bunch of his other PGA Tour compatriots are going a little bit harder in the paid anti-Liv and you know, Rom's the one here saying the entire time, you know, guys, it's who cares? They should be able to play in the Ryder Cup. Like he, what he seems to be saying without saying it, and he actually has said it, is like, guys, give me fucking Sergio. Give me Sergio. Yeah, um, he has, he has and, been and lamenting. He's, he's, he has been lamenting he, in quite a few interviews. The fact a, that Rom's like at yeah. worst the third best player in the world. And I, I would hope that how he feels is part of your decision-making process and him and Sergio have been unbeatable, unbeatable. He's played two Ryder cup matches in the last two Ryder cups without Sergio played with Hatton once and tied played with Rose once and lost. He's three and O with Sergio. I don't even think Sergio is that good anymore, but I think there's, there's clearly something there. And I think the 12th spot on Europe, that guy's going to get hit in anyway. I think that, you know, Hovland, Rory, Rom, maybe even Fleetwood, Hatton, and the way Fitzpatrick are starting to play. Those guys are all going to play five matches, right? Yeah. So I think the 12th guy in Europe, whether it's Ludwig or whoever, I, I think those final three guys on the European team are going to play twice, two or three times, right? And so if you're telling me that you're getting Rom and Sergio three times in four balls, I mean... <laughs> I just think it's a discussion, Steve. Am I crazy? You're crazy. Okay. All right. I needed to hear it. I needed to hear it. You're you're, you're barking mad, but yes. <laughs> in, 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 a, in, a, 
in an alternative universe, we would probably have Sergio as the 12th man in. Uh, he's clearly still uh, playing golf on a higher level than, say, a Lee Westwood or Ian Poulter. Sure. Low bar to clear there, but sure. <laughs> if we're looking at players that are playing Czech Masters and Amiga European Masters over the next two weeks, don't forget the qualification closes on the Sunday in Switzerland. Moronk mm -hmm. is playing both. Aberg is playing both. Rasmus Hoygaard is playing both, as is Yannick Paul as is Nikolai Hoygaard, as is ADC, this 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 uh, hot stud off the KFT. I just can't see that happening. No. Uh, and then you're down to the likes of an Atagi, Olsen, Jordan Smith. I don't see a way in for Seamus Power either. He was playing his best golf uh, almost 12 months ago and it seems to be injured, having problems. So I don't think Power's in. So, yeah, it's a, it's a shootout for me between Moronk, probably the two Hoygaard twins. I never really have a view on Rasmus. It seems to be either a win or miss cuts. Uh, Nikolai, as we've seen on the PGA Tour this year, is far more consistent, fantastic driver of the golf ball, has a great record around Marco Simone. Very, very, very well back this week for the Czech Masters on a golf course. You get the feeling it's going to suit him very, very much. But odds on with the British bookmakers right now is Ludwig Aberg. I thought I would just pull together some statistics just about what kind of a player Aberg is from a very, very small sample size. If you were to throw his numbers into the actual rankings on the PGA Tour, third for off the tee. Incredible driver of the golf ball. He's 18th for driving distance all drives. Tellingly, 36th for driving accuracy. So he's long and pretty straight off the tee, yeah. which works perfectly for Marco Simeone. Yeah. He's 28th for tee to green. And I know it's a small sample size, and I know he's played the easier courses on the PGA Tour, blah, 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 blah. Um, just just that, just for some kind of link into 28 tee to green, uh, Wyndham Clark is 27. Strokes gain total, he ranks 20th. Fitzpatrick is at uh, 18. Uh, sorry, uh, yes, uh, 19. Uh, Aberg would slot in at 20, and he would be above the likes of us, Scott, Keegan Bradley, Russell Henley, Matsuama, and Tom Kim. I could see Aberg getting a pick. I, I, I'll tell you the reason why. He's clearly a prestigious amateur talent. He, he, he fits that Victor Hovland, Colin Murakawa, Matthew Wolf mould of what we saw, was it three, four years ago? Probably four now. Right. Player that's just going to hit senior golf and play brilliantly. He's a, he's a kind of... Also, you just look at where he's been playing recently. 14th at the Wyndham, he was 7th at halfway. He was 4th at the John Deere Classic, 5th at halfway. He was 40th at the Rocket Mortgage, 3rd at halfway. So he's been mixing it at the top of leaderboards, at least for 36 holes, across a number of decent level PGA Tour events. He's a bit of a free hit. So for me... It, it's it's going to come down to either what he or one of the Hoygaard twins does over the next couple of tournaments. I think they get the nod. 
you know, it's I'm curious about Ludwig being the favorite because Oh my. I think some, I think I think one of the holy gods should be. Well, you look at what Europe's done in the past, and I've never really thought the argument of let's get these guys reps and build for the future. I understand it on paper, but I don't think that it's really a part of how Europe builds their team. I mean, you look at Europe time and time again is selecting guys like Poulter and Westwood and Sergio well into their 40s instead of going with the young gun that they think is going to be on the next two, four, six, eight teams. Now, with that being said, I think the 12th spot is so the there's such a dearth of options. And I, I think the 12th, whoever gets selected as a 12th man is not going to play that much of a role in determining the outcome of this Ryder Cup because this is the strongest top three that Europe has had in decades, statistically. But I, you know, the argument for Ludwig is simple. The argument for Ludwig is there's an argument statistically, albeit a limited sample size, that this is a generational driver of the golf ball. Um, yeah. And if if you bring Ludwig on that team and you have four of the best, I mean, I'd put Bryson in there if the U.S. Uh, selects him, which I don't think they will, but you have four of the best five, six drivers of the ball in the world if you take Ludwig. You have Rom, yeah. Rory, Hovland, Ludwig, USS Scheffler. Uh, and Cantlay's great too off the tee. Um, so, you know, worst case scenario, you have four of the top six if you're Europe. Mm. And I don't think that that 12th role is going to, that 12th role can be a, a specialist pick, right? The the yeah. 12th, the 12th man can the be switch a hitter. Yeah. It can be, as I manage one guy with a crazy elite upside ceiling, wild card Ludwig. It can be, a, like I said, Sergio, where you just, this is Rom's best buddy. That's a pairing that we're going to go to time and time again. So I don't really like have a, you know, Hoshgard. The argument for Hoshgard is he has a high ceiling, probably not as high as Ludwig, in my opinion. And he's got a win and a fifth at Marco Simone. Got a win and a fifth there. So yeah. it's Ludwig, I think, probably. But, you know, I there's no one else that we need to talk about, right? Like, that's what I, I'm with you. I think I think it's what Ludwig and, and Nikolai do over the next two weeks in, in Europe. I agree. I think if you if if you if you rewound to the start of 2023, and we did the same exercise that we did with Team USA that you'd do with Team Europe, Europe with Luke, I think he would, if he'd have stayed on out, you know on the DP World Tour, and on the PGA Tour, I think he would have taken Thomas Peters. Peters would yeah, have been that point. 11th or 12th man in. Just from yeah. the experience, he had a great Ryder Cup. He was playing reasonably good golf at the end of last year. If he could have kept that momentum going this year, I think Peters would have been in our, in our team. You know, with the bit with uh, the the loss of Westwood, the the loss of Stenson, the loss of um, Poulter to live. I think if Peters had stayed this side of the pond, if you like, and had played well enough, I think Peters would have been definitely an eleventh or twelfth man in the team. But clearly, that ship's long sold, uh, sailed rather. But yeah. I, it, it, I think it's pretty. Uh, the only other player that potentially with experience that might be able to force their force his way in, but I'm not sure that a he's got the game to do it or probably the the mental minerals to do it would be Victor Perez. So, is probably one of those four. 
unless something really left field happens and someone like an Adrian Otegi wins the next two tournaments on the trot. And then John Rahm puts his hand up and says, I want to, you know, I definitely want a Spaniard, informed Spaniard on the team. And then you might find a Tagi gets the 12th spot. This is just a off the wall take that shows us that we're getting to the end of our time here. Is Molinari playing in, in the Czech Masters? He is 110 to one. Francesco. So you, you had to talk about the marketing opportunities there. Yeah. <laughs> you get an Italian. I, th- I think we're at the end of the road when we're talking about Francesco yeah, yeah, getting the captain's pick. I really do. I, I, I don't see that at all. There's probably more chance of Eduardo, who apparently, Ed, Eduardo, <laughs> is very much on the ground and he's been giving Luke Donald a lot of information about Simeone and just, you know, just week to week about what's been happening on the DP World Tour with the various players that he's playing with every week. So, uh, Eduardo's been quite a key um, background um, source of information, if you like, for Luke Donald. Um, final question before we get out of here: Have you made a bet yeah. yet? Are you? Yeah, I have. I, I, today, I back Team Europe at plus one sixty-ish, something like yeah, that. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think they'll win. And if JT's on the team, I, I, my, my reasoning was if JT's on the team. Unless that's already been baked into the price, I can only see those odds getting slightly shorter. So yeah, I, I'm Team Europe for Europe. If JT is on the team, yeah, I, I think that I think that really helps Europe's case. Yeah, than, do you think odds? Than, do you think odds makers see it that way though? I, I would assume it's probably baked into the price already because, as we right. know, that he he's, seems he's three, like he's three a, to one on to get a pick anyway with the bookmakers. I've, I've I've used the exchange, so maybe we've got a little bit more flexibility on that. But yeah, I'm on Europe. True, seems like a foregone conclusion with JT at that point as well. All right, Steve, you've been incredibly generous with your time. Many more of these in the future for us. But uh, any, what do you what do you got going on this uh, this fall? Are you guys still? Still bringing it week in and week out during uh, these fall we, weeks. We, we, we won't stop until the RSM Classic. I don't know how it falls, but we'll we'll continue on the DP World Tour right down to uh, the Earth Course, the DP World Tour Championship Tour every week. Free data, predictor models, of course, the Golf Betting System podcast. You can follow me at Bamford Golf on X brackets Twitter. <laughs> Steve, this was a uh, pleasure as always. I'm sure we'll talk many times before then, but uh, we'll see you Masters Week. Thanks for joining me again, my man. Cheers, Andy. Look after yourself. All right, that is it for the podcast. Special thanks to rickrungoods.com. Special thanks to Steve. We'll be back next week. Might have a lot of NFL stuff, maybe maybe some architecture stuff. Uh, We will see. So until then, best of luck with your bats this week at the Torque Championship, and we will see you next time. Cheers. If I ventured in the slipstream Between the viaducts of your dream Where a mobile steel rims crack And the dead shed the back row